Hello again, friends. Welcome into mile 29 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. It is great to have you back. And this is our London 2019 Marathon preview. Perhaps the most hyped marathon of all time. And so we will ask the question, is this going to be the greatest race ever? Benji, what's up, buddy? Not much, man. I love the gain in your voice when you just said ever. Well, I'm fired up for this one. I do not even need to set the alarm early Sunday morning. I'm going to be up well in advance, ready to watch this. And for our listeners, what is that start time? Sunday morning, if you want to get up bright and early and get the pre-race coverage, maybe a little bit of the push rim action to start things off, that's 4 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Pacific. So West Coast listeners, I know we're huge in Oregon, they'll be staying up late to watch the race. Yes, they will. 4.25 a.m. Eastern, the women's elites will take off, 5.10, the men and both fields are absolutely chocked full of studs. Last year at London, we went into it and said, wow, have we assembled the best fields ever? And London responded to that by saying, how about we take last year's great fields and move them up another notch? Last year, for those of you who remember, hot unseasonably warm by London standards. Famously, Elliot Kipchoge said, I don't care. I'm Elliot Kipchoge. Hammered the first 5K and brought a lot of guys with him. 14.25? I think that's right. It was it was sub 14.30 mm-hmm. through the first 5K. And it absolutely obliterated some people later on in the race. One guy who was able to stick around and come back a little bit and finish in third place, we'll talk more about him, but Sir Mo Farah had a good run last year. On the women's side, it just brutalized the lead pack as the whole thing fell apart. And ultimately, Vivian Chariot made a move late to get a victory. Let's go ahead and dive into the women's field first here, knowing that weather conditions, I have taking the liberty of providing you some meteorological insights, Benji. My models suggest to me... You have models. I do. Anyone who would like access to a really nice weather mapping site, if you really want to get into the hard science, unisys.weather. They'll get you some great maps from all over the world that you can break down yourself. Me and I think Tyler McCandless probably use that a lot to get marathon (laughs) forecasts. Speaking of friends in the industry, were you able to get a hold of Chris Derrick last week? Yeah, we... uh, Touch base with Chris, did you? We actually sent him over to Frank DeVar at Elite Strength and Stretch. (laughs) Wouldn't hurt. We bring that up because Chris was a late withdrawal from London and perhaps your favorite marathoner and was the top American entry. But back to the forecasting. Cooler than last year, as you would expect for London. Some rain, some wind could be in the mix. And so we'll see how this teeters on the delicate balance of keeping it cool for prime conditions, or does it become too much and take away from perhaps record attempts. Now to the women. We have four women, Benjamin, running this race who have run a marathon in under two hours and 19 minutes. Four of them. When was the last time that happened? 
four of them at once or yes last time someone broke no four women in the same field sub 219 oh gosh was it london last year you should have stuck with your original silence it's never never is the answer absolutely never it's a good guess though thank you and that is without tyrannish dababa who had to withdraw a favorite of ours one of the greatest of all time congratulations tyrannish pregnant cheers second child uh, from what i've been told early indications are it's a boy to be named benjamin travis Dababa, but we have not verified that it's a biblical name so here's who will be there your three-time champion your four-time new york city champion the second fastest female marathoner ever with a 217 personal best on this course at london Mary Katani, I doubted her a little bit before New York this past fall. I so that. Was yes. she passed her prime, and she abruptly handled that criticism. She might have might have had one of the most historic New York marathon finishes in the women's side. As she just absolutely took off and blasted. I think some of my criticism might have gotten back to her. There were uh, yeah. there were probably some murmurs in her there camp. Were demons whispering. Yeah. In her ears. Incredible performance from her. She has to be your odds-on favorite coming in. I mean, we've always viewed her as more of a time trialer, someone who goes straight to the lead and takes off. But in New York, you see her close the second half in 66-58. Gosh, that's right. That's faster than most of these women's personal best in the half. In the half, yeah. That's not a bad second half on not an easy course. Not by any means. 2018 champ will be back to defend her title. That's Vivian Chariot, who was second at New York City. She's got a 218.31 personal best. You know she'll be in the mix. Two-time defending Berlin champ Gladys Torono is here as well. 218.11. I mean, these numbers are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Bridget Kosky comes in as your 2018 Chicago champion. She was second last year. 218.35 personal best. If we rewind this for a second, you're looking at the reigning champions from London, Chicago, Berlin, and New York. All four of those majors in the last calendar year are on the line together. And it doesn't even stop there because I could add in as well two-time Tokyo champion Berhani Dababa is there also. We haven't even gotten to the Americans yet. You want to talk about the international ladies first? Do you want to make some picks? Should we incorporate the Americans? What say you? I think we're leaving off two people that have earned their spot in the conversation. Okay. Two international runners. Let's talk about them. I hate myself for saying this because I have to say their names. Mm, tough pronunciations, are they? Yes. So we have... Not necessarily your strength, we've found. Yes. First up, we got Rosa Derege. Oh, yeah, you nailed that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, She set a course record at the Lightning Quick Dubai Marathon. Mm, What happens in Dubai stays in Dubai. You know that's generally a marathoning rule. Yeah. Well, didn't our Boston winner win Dubai on the men's side? Lawrence Toronto, uh, he did not win in Dubai, but he was in that pack of guys. Yeah. The like four that came in the That crazy finish at right above 204. Yeah, that's true. So I stand corrected. Yes. As usual. Go ahead. <laughs> and so we're going to say the other Dababa, whose name starts with the letter B. Oh, Burhani, I already mentioned her. Wait, did you? Do you even listen to me? No, I was looking up stuff. Oh, 
You really said Berhani? Yeah, I for oh, Tokyo win. Yeah, twice. Well, we should definitely keep this in the episode. Yeah. The, uh, did you mention Bridget Koski? Yes, of course I did. What do you think this is amateur hour? Oh, uh, what about Steve Prefontaine? <laughs> that gives us right there six international women who are in the mix. There are two Americans as well. Let's go ahead and add these top two Americans. From what I have seen. Their target is to go out at around 71 through the half, put them on 222 pace. There's only a handful of Americans who have ever broken 222, and both these women seem capable. Molly Huddle, first time on a fast course, 226.44 PB last fall in New York. That got her fourth place. My big takeaway from that, though, is that was a five-minute negative split that she ran. She is your U.S. half marathon record holder. She has more more U.S. championships than she can fit in her trophy case. I think she makes a big breakthrough. And then the other one is a personal favorite of mine, Emily Sisson. Marathon debut, Emily Sisson was made for the roads. When God came down and chiseled (laughs) out of stone, road road racers... (laughs) It was first Daniel Day-Lewis for Last of the Mohicans, carved from granite, absolutely. Listen to Mile 9 if you want to know what that's from. It was Mile 3. Was it? Mile 3. Dang. Yes. I was just throwing a number out there. Good memory. And then, subsequently, after filming Last of the Mohicans, he created Emily Sisson to run on the roads. Maybe I'm overstepping there, but she has taken to the roads well just this calendar year. One hour, seven minutes, and 30 seconds in the half marathon at Houston. Second fastest American woman ever. Only five seconds off Molly Huddle's U.S. record. Followed that up with a 30.49 in the 10K, in which she took it to Molly in the closing laps, gapped her, and ran the third fastest American women's time ever. Let's do this. Let's first make selections on who we take to win this weekend in London. And how about we follow that with our picks on what happens with the American women? Ooh, okay. this. I would like to allow you to pick first. You have earned it. You come in clean-shaven and hardworking today. Oh, thank you for noticing. Who will it be? For me, it comes down to two people. We've got Vivian Chariot. Mm -hmm. I love the fact she's an Olympic 5,000-meter champion. Yep. It's got some speed, but... I have to go with Mary Katani. Uh, she's proven she can win from behind. She can win from the front. She's ready for whatever comes her way. She's the most experienced woman at winning this marathon yeah. in the field. I say experience and her arsenal of ways to win Yeah, uh, give her the advantage. You're right. It can play out multiple different ways, and she can still be the favorite. Perhaps the one way that... It- it could come back to haunt her is the takeoff on world record pace attempt yes. through the early miles like we saw last year. I would consider her the pick as well, but to be contrary, I think it would be nice for the listeners to hear another opinion. I'm going to go Gladys Chirono as my pick. She has won at Berlin the last two years and shown her ability to succeed on the fast, flat course. I will take Chirono over Katani 
American women? This one's a tough one. So let how about we put it this way? Where do you see them finishing overall? Who finishes better between Molly and Emily? And what kind of time do you think we see? I think we see two top ten finishes. Okay. I think Emily Sisson breaks the American debut record oh. set by Jordan Hesse yep. in uh, 2017, which is two hours and 23 minutes even. Mm-hmm. She just ran that half, like you said earlier, um, which was faster than Hesse's tune-up for the race. But now, as I said, we might have created Emily Sisson to run on the roads, but don't you think Jordan Hesse's strength across any distance, we've seen her on the track, the road, marathoning is maybe what she was made to do. Absolutely. Okay. But I believe that for Sisson as well. Good. I think an upside to Sisson over Hesse is her build. Her strength? Yes. She's very strong. She may not be quite as delicate as Hesse, which perhaps led to some of the injury issues over the past year. It, It is in some ways both a strength and weakness for, for Jordan. Yes. But, yeah, Emily has a, a, a stronger running style that we've seen bode well in the marathon for certain runners. Now, to that point, because I think that's interesting, I don't know if that is as valuable and as advantageous at London as perhaps it might be at Boston because of or, the nature of the York. course. Yeah, like yeah. we see Des run better at Boston than other places as a you know, stronger running stylistically. You're right, and I think if Hesse was in the field, I might would choose her over Sisson. Mm, yeah, but I still think Sisson is able to run faster than Hesse did at Boston. I wouldn't pick Jordan only because she ran a marathon two years ago. Two, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, She's that, rested. Honestly, you should be tapered by that point. Only because she ran a marathon two weeks ago. You know what I mean. I do know what yes. you mean. I just thought I'd interject there. That is an interesting conversation. Maybe we might have at some point, or hopefully we get to see head-to-head sometime yes. soon. Maybe this fall. Is the future of American women marathoning? They very well could be. So you've got American debut record, yes. sub-223 for Emily Sisson. But not the top American. Okay, there it is. Molly Huddle comes in with, by her standards, a modest personal best. Agreed. She sacrificed going to a fast course to race at New York and Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, her PR comes from a massive negative split, in which she ran the first half in 75 minutes and came back and ran 70 minutes for the second half at New York which we said earlier, is an extremely challenging course Mm -hmm. to run fast on. I think we see a huge breakthrough for her, and she gets right around 221. So experience maybe is a factor here. We know how talented she is. Emily Sisson's beaten her recently, but you're going to take her... What place? You want to throw out a number where you see her? I'm going to say... Sixth place. Oh, okay. Good number. I've also thought that I would take our top American to be sixth. It feels about right for me. Mm-hmm. I think that we've got a big group. I, I, I think that first four is just at a different level. And then there's some other names that are really, really good. And But some people might falter a little bit, as happens over the right. distance, trying to run with the leaders, however this plays out. I really like what you put out there. <laughs> That experience factor is the one thing 
that makes me hesitant about my pick. Mm. I'm taking Emily Sisson as the top American. I think that they're both going to end up in that 223-ish number. I agree. They'll both be in the top 10. I'm going to agree with you on that one as well. But I'll take Emily Sisson. I will go back to our continuing conversation about next year's Olympic trials. I say we leave this upcoming weekend. Looking ahead for 10, 11 months out, Emily Sisson among the favorites to be in the top three at the marathon trials. There is a chance we leave this weekend thinking none of the women who made the marathon team in 2016 will make the team in 2020. That's a bold statement because they were so good. But is Shalane retired? Did you hear she had surgery? I did hear she had surgery. Do you have surgery so that you can get back because you're a year out? Do you have surgery because you're beat up after... A great career. A lifetime of incredible running, and it's just time to get healthy and shut it down. I think we see Shalane line up. Okay. If we do, though, coming off a of surgery and a lot of time off, is she still the favorite? Man, she was so good. Des benefits from a more tactical, kind of hilly course in Atlanta, but is she as good as Jordan and Molly and Emily, Amy Craig? We've said it before. There's a dozen names who are going to be in this mix, but I think we leave Sunday, and the betting favorites would be three women who didn't go in 2016. Now, men's race. We have a few storylines here. There is an attempt by the people at the London Marathon to play this into a one-on-one duel between one of the all-time greats the best runner on the track of the past decade, Mo Farah, the hometown favorite. And there's obvious reason to play him up at London as the British superstar. He's the European record holder. He won at Chicago last year in a classic Mo sit-and-kick kind of performance, even though it was over 26 miles and not on the track. 205.11 versus... The world record holder, you've proclaimed him the goat, the sage, Mr. 80%, right? He's not training over 80%. He he just, 8 out of 10 effort is where he loves to put it and just keep it rolling. He is ageless. He is the royal of the Rift Valley, Eliud Kipchoge, the most successful marathoner of all time. Is this a two-man duel? Is that a plot that the people at the London Marathon want to play out just to get eyes on the race. I think it's an adorable marketing wow. ploy. Ploy. Yeah. yeah. Wow, my mind really blinked. That's okay. Tactic? Yeah. That was the word I had? Yeah, yeah, there we go. You can say it again. I think it would be naive of us to say it was a two-man race. Mm-hmm. I think it's better summed up instead of Kipchoge versus Sir Mo. It's Kipchoge versus the world. Two guys we need to keep in mind. Okay. Or Garamil. Yeah, Mosinet Garamil, who 204 won at Dubai last year, uh, second at Chicago, I Only believe. 13 seconds behind Farah. But remember how it played out, how he was on his heels, nipping at him, and Mo just blasted him. At well, the he end. ran a Mo race. Yeah. He got to go slow, and then... 
Well, I love that we're calling dick. 205 pace slow, but well, yeah. Well, if you watch the press conference, Kipchoge did call 205 slow. Oh, as he should. He discredited the performance him. and said it was tactical. Well, he, you know what else he calls 205 a tempo run, probably. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, go ahead. So Mosinet Garamel is definitely a, a contender. And then Luel Gebrselassi. Oh, I was not going to go there. I don't... I have a list I'll get to, but yeah. He was one of three men that broke 205 twice last year. Hmm. That's a nice tidbit. Yeah. Okay, I like those <laughs> names. You called it Kipchoge versus the world rather than a two-man race. I personally still think it's just a one-man race. Right. I looked at betting odds out of Great Britain on this. The odds that have him, they have him at greater than one-to-one favorites. All right, you're going to... If you risked a hundred dollars, you're gonna get your money back plus less than a hundred for making that bet. I still think those odds are way too good. I would put all my money on it. All right. right. I want all my family in Manchester, England to fork over their money right now. You won't. Because it's a lock. As soon as I say that, of course what happens, you know, he He wins and he writes gets, you a thank you letter. Yes. He gets sick or something obscure. I'll add some other names to the mix to watch, though, Yeah. as this unfolds. Because I, I do think it's a two-man race in the perspective of seeing how Mo reacts to what Kipchoge does. Does Kipchoge play this like last year where, yeah, it was super hot. He said, I'm going to go on world record pace because I'm the one with the best fitness to respond to that and recover from Absolutely. it. And it's just going to get me a win anyway. Yeah, right. Mofar's only win in the marathon has come from a tactical race. A much more tactical race, absolutely. Kipchoge's not going to allow him to just be there yes. the whole time. With that said, I would love for that to unfold because I wonder what it would look like. Yeah. Now, as you said, Kipchoge probably won't run that race to let it happen, but maybe there's a chance that he's still hanging around with a couple miles to go. I Exciting. don't know, and that would be fun to see. If you think back to the Rio Olympics. Yes, if we see a similar race, that would be the best possible scenario for Mo Farah. Yeah, that that would be a lot of fun. But I tend to believe that he's going to press the gas early and often. And how does Mo respond to that? I think Mo is still learning this event, and we know to be in better fitness than he was last year. So I will say that European record that he owns looks very soft this weekend because if he plays it even now let me take a step back i think he's gonna race to try to win agreed i think that is his approach this weekend but i could see that number going down i I do think he'll run under 205 let me go to a few other guys that i'm interested in Callum hawkins is back off of a collapse at the commonwealth games marathon Mm -hmm. But he has said he is targeting sub-207. He is going out on 6330-ish pace and see what happens from there. He would be only the second Brit to break that number. That would uh, put him ahead of legendary Steve Jones if he were to do that. Another guy from that area, my guy Dewey Griffiths. Ooh, Dewey. All right. The Welshman. Love to see a good race out of him. He's a, a fan favorite. Abraham Kiptum is in here as well, world half marathon record holder. Your 2017 champ, Daniel Wanjiru. Got 204 man, Tamarat Tola. Not too shabby. And oh, by the way, the last guy, running down this list we haven't even mentioned, 
the former world record holder, Wilson Kipsang, who has run 203.23. We realize it's been a little while, and he hasn't necessarily shown in this buildup that he's in that fitness, but you got to mention his name. And, you know, also I left out uh, Shura Katata, who was second last year, who did the best job in responding to that blazing pace early. Americans, Chris Derrick, as we said, pulled out. He was the clear American favorite, and you had already guaranteed he was going below 210, but Scott Fobble and Jared Ward beat him there anyway, so <laughs> still a good spring for Americans. You got Kipchoge? I do have Kipchoge. I will agree with you. Again, it's a lock. Mo Mo is at like 3-1 to one odds, which to me is... Um, a fool's bet, <laughs> but yes. you know it's it's his hometown marathon. I'm sure the people there are putting money on him, and that's driving that number lower. Are you gonna go most second? I'm gonna say no. Oh yay! I think we see Spicy. him finish in third again. Third, and you got a time number in mind? Two o four, very high. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with a two o four ish out of him as well. Yes. So who are you gonna go with as second place then? I'm going to go with our half-marathon world record holder. Okay. Kip Toom is the man then for you, followed by Sir Mo. I am going to go Mo in second, 204. Low, I'll say. Okay. We said this is like the most hyped marathon in recent memory. The, the two other recent things that came to mind were London last year. But you know what else popped up to me was the Breaking 2 event. Absolutely. Even though it was not authentic, the excitement and enthusiasm around it was enormous. So I'm going to redirect us for a minute here because the best iconic marathons are really about finishes and record-breaking performances, not who lined up and how good the field was because you never know how they'll play out. Let's let's wrap with this then to to bring it full circle. We said maybe this could be the best ever. What would it have to beat to be the best ever? I have some thoughts on some marathons maybe I could go into. And and I know we discussed this a little. You might have some other distances, some other races that we could look at to compare it to some of the best of all time. Yes, sir. Yeah, fair. Okay, here's my thought. I have three marathons that if you have not seen the finish of these races, you need to get on YouTube, do yourself a favor, and watch the conclusion. All three of these races, the finishes at least, are available to you online. Number one for me, and I'm I'm actually going to take this in reverse order, is Boston 1982, the epic duel in the sun, Alberto Salazar versus Dick Beardsley. We've talked about it before. These two men spent the last 10 miles of that race alone with no competition on each other, shoulder to shoulder. We get a late move by Salazar building a lead. You think it's over. This is chronicled in a great book called Duel in the Sun. Also a cool little uh, illustrated book that I picked up in Boston just this spring called Fahrenheit 75, a reference to the temperature at the gun. He gets an almost 20 meter lead, everybody thinks it's over, and then boom, Dick Beardsley surges, he erases it. However, the motorcyclists that are leading the first pack are unaware of this surge and kind of cut his path so he couldn't make the turn the way he wanted to. And so while he got right back on Salazar, 
Alberto is able to make the move. He cuts in a little tighter on that last turn, kicks to the finish in an incredible finish. Again, the, the, the book is just called Duel in the Sun by John Brandt, and it gets into a lot of what happened to these two afterwards because these men expended so much energy that day that they were essentially broken moving forward. That was the pinnacle of their racing careers. You want to go ahead with something from another distance? We go back and forth here? Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you got? Well, while you referenced a head-to-head competition, I'm going to talk a little bit about a race where everyone ran insanely fast. Mm-hmm. We're going to take it on back to 2012 at London, the Olympic final for the 800 meters. Oh, yeah. In this race, we see David Rudisha lead wire to wire to break his own world record and run 140. In this race, seven of the eight men ran personal bests. Mm -hmm. The one who didn't did run a season best. We saw three national records fall. (laughs) And we saw the first medal ever for Botswana as Nigel Amos, who was 21 at the time, finished second. What did he run that day? What was his time? He ran 141. Yeah, I thought it was 141. That was the most electrifying track race I have watched live. Just watching that on television, it was breathtaking the way Rudisha went to the lead and just kept pressing. And you had Americans right run these incredible times. It's Nick Simmons and Dwayne Solomon. What places did they go? Did they go five, six in that? Solomon and yes, they and, did. And Simmons. Uh, I would like to correct myself on something I said. I said Amos was twenty-one at the time. Yeah, he was eighteen. That is, he was just a kid. Even a little more special. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, just a precocious pup out there getting an Olympic silver. Rudisha dragged everybody to these marvelous performances and unreal what they did that day. Yeah, we saw eight men run under 144. And the eighth place finisher, Andrew Osagi, yeah. his time would have won a gold medal at all but three of the previous Olympic 800 finals. That's where I was going to go. I remembered that. Yeah, that was an incredible race. I'll take it back to the roads. New York City Marathon, 1983. Rod Dixon. The man. Scooter Dixon, the heartthrob of early 80s marathoning. We're at the peak of the running boom. This was a guy who had been a 1,500-meter runner a decade earlier, an Olympic medalist. He is fighting hamstring injury down the stretch, cramping. You see him grabbing at it. He's tightening up. It was a this was a time, first of all, when ABC covered the marathon wire to wire, which is mm-hmm. great. Let's bring that back. It was a kind of a, a light rain that day. Jeff Smith goes off the front on world record pace through 20 miles. Guy is fresh out of Providence College who would go on to win himself marathon majors later on. And Rod Dixon walks him down in Central Park in one of the most amazing finishes in the history of the sport catches him in mile 25 and jim mckay legendary abc broadcaster calls it as it's happening he says if jeff smith can just finish he's gonna win this race and then boom rod dixon re-emerges and jim mckay just takes this 180 and says 
This is the greatest finish in the history of marathoning. Dixon gets the win, comes through the tape, the iconic image of him hands outstretched above his head at the finish line as Jeff Smith falls on the ground behind him, the conqueror standing over his prey, an image reminiscent of if you've ever seen the Muhammad Ali Sonny Liston images from their fight in the 60s when Ali knocks Liston out and is standing over him. Rod Dixon gives then one of the great post-race interviews of all time. He said that, uh, you know, he's cramping, he was fighting, but he went third person and, quote, had to just run Rod Dixon's race. And then dropped this line when asked, how did you do it late? He said, a miler's kick does the trick. And Rod got the victory again. You can check that one out online. My favorite quote, I think, from Rod Dixon uh, is, I just want to drink beer and train like an animal. And in an attempt to emulate that, <laughs> I drink beer and I am an animal. I don't train, but I do foam at the mouth. If that gets you to look anything like Rod Dixon did in 1983, women everywhere will be very happy that you've taken the <laughs> Rod Dixon approach. What else do you got? I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Oh, please do. You're going to pick a baseball game. This next race, I will never forget watching it live on my parents' computer when I was in high school. <laughs> it's the first race that ever made me cry. Oh. In 2010, at in Palo Alto. Yep, I knew you were going here. We saw an assault on the 10,000-meter American record by Galen Rupp. Mm-hmm. Who would break the American record? But Chris Zielinski would play spoiler to that, and he would become the first non-African man to break 27 minutes for 10,000 meters. He ran his last 800 and 156. Oh. This was his debut at the 10,000, in case I forgot to. <laughs> That's add right. That. The video is electrifying. You should look it up on YouTube. Type in Chris Zielinski Beast Mode. Mm. And when his hands go up as he crosses the line, you can see everyone on the infield and the crowd jumping, hugging each other. You would have thought we just won some war. It was incredible. And I went out that next day, and I went to run in, little shout out, and bought a pair of Nike compression socks because he had run the race in compression socks. Uh, it was the, really life-changing for me. The celebration that day was in the infield was bigger than victory in Europe Day in World War II. People are going bonkers. And you're right, he just totally took this moment from Galen Rupp that obviously Galen Rupp has had plenty of moments. Oh, yes. Since. And he now holds that record. He does, that's correct. But it was this kind of shock and awe of Chris Selinski stealing it from him. To go back to that infield celebration, I will never forget seeing Evan Yeager, who yeah. was just a young pup at the time, who's now our steeplechase American record holder, yep. sprinting across the field with a boot on his foot because <laughs> he was so excited. Because not only did Selinski break that record and Galen break that record, yep. We saw a NCAA collegiate record by Sam Chalenga of Liberty, right. who ran 27.07. And then we saw a Canadian record set by Simon Byru. Mm. I love these settings where you get the great race up front, but it also pulls some other people to exceptional performances. Those are a couple good track examples you gave there. I remember both of those well. I will finish with my best moment, the 2010 Chicago Marathon the end of this race, I have never seen anything like it. The late, great Sammy Wanjiru 
won his final marathon. He had been battling sickness and injury throughout the training cycle. He had a serious bout of the flu with like two weeks out. He was certainly by this point in the throes of his battle with alcoholism. He gets to the line just looking kind of broken and emaciated, and he had had some DNFs leading up to this, and it was one last hurrah from one of the most heroic runners I have ever seen. We lionize Steve Steve Prefontaine in the United States for his attitude of attacking everything to win, to get to the front and grind and take the pace out hard and If I can't be first, I'm going to put it all out there, and I'd rather just blow up. Nobody else I can think of has done that in the way that Sammy Wanjiru did, and he did it over 26 miles. The Wanjiru-Kabede showdown, it was heavyweight fighters exchanging blows over the course of just the final 10 minutes of this race. Sammy gets dropped three times where he looks absolutely done. And every time he claws back in, and not only on the last time does he claw back in, but he gets back and he decides, it's time for my surge. And where am I going to do my surge? On the like one uphill on the entire (laughs) Chicago course coming up that bridge in the final K and just breaks Kabede. Earlier on, he is switching sides of the road, playing cat and mouse, and like maybe final 5K. And every time Kabedi sees his shadow, he accelerates to try to, to break him. But he just keeps responding. At one point, uh, Tony Revis on the commentary says, after, somewhere after mile 20, I remember it happening, because there was still a big pack of guys together. And all of a sudden, they're just dropping like flies, one by one. All these guys are dropping. Some of them just don't even finish. They're just, I'm done. I've had enough. Tony Revis yells out, Kabady's just taking a baseball bat to these guys' legs. The way he starts winding this pace down and absolutely hammering. And Sammy Wanjiru, mustering something out of absolutely nothing in his final marathon, matches it the physical aspect of what he did is remarkable but the emotional and psychological aspect it separates him as a champion on another level this is the guy who two years earlier at beijing said who cares that it's crazy hot and smog all over the place i'm just going to go out on olympic record pace and win this thing all right you know he was such a valiant runner it is incredibly sad that we lost him when we when we did, and that uh, success came with demons for him. But if there's a way for that guy to go out in a last marathon that represents everything he is, check out that 2010 Chicago finish. Man, I would have loved to hear that warfare in his head that last 10 yeah. minutes, knowing he was this, at one point, great marathoner and had been struggling and you wonder like how he's viewing himself at that. Like if getting dropped, he's feeling sorry for himself. And then he remembers I'm Sammy Wanjiru and battles back. And I'd love to hear that conversation. In a race of any distance, we reach that moment of truth, that breaking point, how you respond to it is going to define that race for you. 
but we rarely have to go to the brink three, four, five times to stand on the precipice of success or failure with everything in your body is screaming at you to shut it down and to respond by saying, not only am I going to keep going, but I'm going to throw my own move in here too. What a response from Sammy Wanjiru. If we can get anything close to one of these five races we've talked about this weekend at London, the hype of the field that we have going in will live up to the expectations of one of the greatest races of all time. Tune in Sunday morning, NBC Sports Network here in the States. BBC's got all kinds of coverage. For those of you who will be listening to us and watching it from your homes in the United Kingdom. Let's end with a couple random notes to clean it up. We mentioned last time Reedy River 10K, 42nd edition in Greenville last weekend. James Quattlebaum gets the victory for seconds flat running. Great performance from him. Esther Atkins with another win on the women's side as well. Fantastic race from her with good competition as always there. So congrats to everybody who ran the race on absolutely perfect racing conditions that morning. It was crisp. I stood there, I was volunteering, and I kept thinking to myself, where was this one week ago on the line in Boston? (laughs) But good for those of you who get to run it here and enjoy that race. Also, from another sport, friend of the show, my guy Brandon says, Bruins... Blue Jackets second round hockey series kicking off tonight as we record. Blue Jackets? Columbus Blue Jackets, baby. Oh. You're unaware? I've never heard of a Blue Jacket. I know of Yellow Jackets, and you can win a Green Jacket, but I have never heard of a Blue one. That's well said. Two points to that. The Blue Jacket it can be a re- uh, reference to the Union soldiers oh, in the Civil War. And also a very famous Indian chief from Western Ohio, Blue Jacket. Little historical piece for you there. Thank you. <laughs> Brandon was on the glass at game three, ice level from the last series. He said to me, Lock it in, jackets in seven. I'm going to go Bruins in six. So for our hockey fans, <laughs> that is out there in the Eastern Conference semis. Benji, that was fun. I am super excited to see what happens this weekend. Can't wait, buddy. Anything else to close? So are we going to do French toast for the uh, marathon viewing party? As I've always said, French toast over pancakes, but both are beautiful. Mm. If I had to rank a hierarchy, I go French toast, pancakes, Belgian waffles. Again, I enjoy all three. Maybe serve it with an omelet, some bacon. Some chicken with those waffles. Chicken and waffles, not bad. So yeah, I'm good with French Toasties this weekend. I'll see you there. Absolutely, and we will see all of you again soon. Thanks for listening in. Secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any show ideas, thoughts, questions, or race or coaching ideas and questions. I've gotten a lot of good emails on some training topics lately. So again, I would reference everybody to previous editions we did on training, but also say we would love to answer your training questions. So we hope to hear from you soon. Everybody have a wonderful week. See you next time. Bye.